So my guest in studio today is Marshall Rinder. He's an attorney here in Highland and the owner of Rinder Law Firm. He's located just off the square in Highland, for those of you that are in the area. Marshall, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you're a graduate of Highland High School, right? So were you born and raised in Highland? Uh, sort of. So my both my parents are essentially originally from Highland. Uh, my dad's family has been here essentially since like the Civil War. Uh, my dad was in the Navy, though, so I was born in Florida. We moved from Florida to Connecticut to Georgia, then back to Highland. But we visited Highland, you know, pretty much every other month or every three months or so. But in 2001, I officially started living in Highland, and that was in sixth grade. And then I graduated high school here and been here pretty much ever since. I'm not uh, from Highland originally either. I've been here about 20 years through my wife's family who was here. But I know Render is definitely a name that you hear around town. So your relatives run deep here. Oh, yeah. And then my wife is from Marion. Uh, and we moved here in 2014. Uh, so she's not actually from Highland either, but she's made herself part of the town being a nurse practitioner over at the hospital. Me and my wife had our first child a year and six months ago. So she's about 18 months and we're expecting our second now. So, oh, wow. Congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah. Obviously you, you went to school here and then when you graduated, what, what made you decide to go? Did you know initially you wanted to be a lawyer? Was it in the family or was it something that just kind of came? Yeah. So I was actually the first college graduate of my family. And then I knew I wanted to be a lawyer essentially since fourth grade, but kind of put it off while I was in college. Then when I graduated high school in 08, went to SAE for a year, kind of wanted to change things up. So I went to Carbondale. And then while I was there, I decided I wanted to go to law school and just kind of stuck at something I kind of fell into. So yeah, on and off, I always knew I wanted to be a lawyer though. Cool. So you graduated from SAU Carbondale uh, Law School? Yeah, I graduated from Carbondale undergrad in 2012, and then I went to law school right after, and I graduated there in 2014 because I did, like, the early graduate route and graduated in 14, took the bar exam in 15, and been a lawyer since May of 2015, so coming up on five years. Yeah, on the fast track there. Good job. So when someone gets out of law school, did you jump right into your own practice or did you do something else first? When I was in law school, I kind of did a couple of interviews at some big law firms, decided that really wasn't my route, interned at the public defender's office and knew I kind of wanted to do this criminal law sort of thing, but didn't know if I really wanted to be a public defender full time. Uh, I kind of fell into a job at the Silver Lake Group here in Highland, worked there for about a year. And then, you know, part of me always wanted to be a solo practitioner and open my own law firm, and maybe it was vanity and wanted to have my name on the side of a window. Uh, And then I had some family issues, so I left that firm in 16 and then opened Render Law Firm in April to May of 2016. Been on my own ever since. Did pass the bar on the first time uh, and was able to become a lawyer right from the get-go, which was kind of nice. So in 2016, then, you're uh, up and running with your own firm. You know, what kind of law do you practice now for those that might be uh, in need of something? Is it- uh, so my practice is a little diverse, so it's kind of the small law that I like to think of it. The big ones are estate planning, criminal law, and business law. So if you're a small business, when a lawyer, you know, a firm like me is who you go to. I also do this 
part-time appointment or I'm called a conflict public defender through the county. So when the public defender is unable to represent someone, they contract it out through private lawyers like myself, and that takes up a good chunk of my time as well. And then I also do adoptions, which is kind of a growing part of my practice, which has been kind of fun lately. Yeah, that's a that's a whole nother kind of can of worms there, I guess, right? Yeah, it's very <laughs> interesting. And very rewarding, I guess, once you get, get through it all. Yeah, it's not always a happy beginning, but it's kind of a happy end, which is kind of unique whenever you want to come to a lawyer. So if somebody's listening and they're in the Highland area, or I'm sure you do all the counties surrounding as well, and they think they may need some help from you for one reason or another, they should just go ahead and call and then they'll be able to find out if you can help them. Yeah, I do have some information on my website, which is the renderlaw.com, or you can even type in marshallrender.com and it goes to my website. It never hurts to just call a lawyer like myself, kind of give a brief overview of what your issue is, and I can explain if I can help you or not, or I can even just point you in the right direction of an attorney that I know that can help you with your problem. Okay, so as the father of a high school age kid right now who's considering college options, what advice would you have for parents of of a child that may be considering law as a career? So the first thing would probably be don't do it. But uh, all joking aside, um, the first thing I would tell any potential lawyers is don't go to your undergrad as a pre-law major. One of the biggest issues I had when I was in law school was my undergrad was this generic political science, which didn't really differentiate me. And I did it wanting to be a lawyer. But there's a lot of degrees and a lot of careers that if you do those before you go to law school, it may make you stand out and gives you that life experience that you wouldn't have otherwise. If I could do it all over again, I probably would have taken a career between law school and undergrad just because... One, I was kind of burnt out on school in general by the time I was getting close to graduation. And two, you just don't understand life yet. And one of the biggest things about being a lawyer is helping real people with real problems. And if you don't understand those real problems, they can kind of put you behind the eight ball quickly. Um, Luckily, my career and some of the choices I made during law school helped me bridge that gap um, by doing things like clinics, volunteering at the public defender's office, stuff of that nature. But some of my friends who had careers beforehand, really had a leg up, and were better lawyers at year one. Uh, what, what would be an example of something that you'd want them to, you know, maybe look at? Yeah, so uh, I have a lawyer friend of mine. He's actually from Highland. He got his pilot's license in between. And so when he went to law school, he was actually able to join the Pilots Bar Association, and he got clients just because of that. Another great example would be something in finances. Uh, You know, if you're, especially if you're like a business lawyer type, medical type careers, like nurses, doctors, all that. I totally get what you're saying that, you know, that gives you that life experience in that field prior to law school. Does it put you at a disadvantage at all or, or is an advantage when you're applying to law school, maybe three, four, five years later than what, you know, someone who comes right out of undergrad does? Uh, The one thing, the one advantage I had was I was kind of used to that academic setting still. When I studied for the LSAT, which is a big component when you're applying to law school, I had the free time to study for it. I didn't have to put my life on hold. The people who had careers, though, when they were applying to law schools and then while they're in law school applying to law firm jobs, those employers were looking at other things besides their grades, especially when you're going to a school like Carbondale that really kind of enforces this practical lawyer stuff. 
there's a difference between the practical lawyer and the person who is a law professor or scholarly type situation. You know, those law firms are kind of looking for real lawyers and, you know, things who they don't have to train right from the get go, you know, explaining what billable hours are. And, you know, it reminds me a lot with me being in the fire service. I deal with a lot of police departments and there's so many of the police officers that come in and they do their two years or four years as an officer on the street, but their whole goal is ultimately to go to the FBI or one of the federal agencies. And it's kind of that same thing. They want to see that on the job experience first, then it makes it a lot easier. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, I was applying with a couple of jobs, a couple of interviews, and then I would talk with my classmates and they would do the same interviews. And my interview would be, they're like, hey, we need someone who's really good at like working late, you know, not not just researching, but going that extra mile and doing these things. They would have examples of times they did it at work, whereas I, the only work experience I had was Walmart and, you know, they don't let you work late and things of that nature. So I didn't, my interview was a little different than theirs and things like that. And then if, you know, if you're a decent student, but not the top 10 your academics are the only thing they have to look at while the other people were able to look, oh, they have academics, they have work experience, they have all these things kind of just made you a whole person. And so in your case, though, after the fact, you were able to still go ahead and do that in those areas that you were a little weaker. You just put it in as internships and free time, you know, working for free. That kind Yeah, of thing. exactly. And, you know, and it's all about what's what do you want to do as a lawyer? As I was doing interviews and looking at the big law firms, I'm like, I really want to go back to Highland. I really want to, you know, contribute there. And the best way of doing that was going on my own. So kind of midway through law school, that's when I decided, okay, do as much stuff as I can. So day one, I can open my own law firm in Highland. Luckily, I found a law firm that was working in Highland already and worked for them for a little while. And then I went on my own afterwards. So I kind of got the best of both worlds with that. I know that's pretty common when I talk to people, you know, just entrepreneurs in general, they look at someone like a doctor, a lawyer, a chiropractor, you know, they assume that it's just a no brainer. Well, you're, you're a lawyer, so you start your business and everything's fine. I think what a lot of people who haven't actually done it don't realize is this is a business. You have employees, you have payroll, you have all the things that are difficult to deal with on top of, you have to be a good lawyer. Right. Yeah. Well, that's been one of my kind of weaker points was I really enjoy the lawyer part of it. So I have no issues going into court, arguing things, writing up a contract, all that fun stuff. But then the business side of it, there's been a little bit of a learning curve, just advertising. And then being a lawyer like doctors and, you know, just a healthcare profession overall, you have this kind of weird give and take where you're doing a service, but you're also trying to make money kind of an interesting thing. And sometimes it's a little hard to explain to people. And I've had to kind of, well, I'll give you an example. One of the easiest things I did to kind of help me was I read in a book one time that they said, keep a picture of your family at your desk. And before you take on a free case or a discounted case, tell yourself, is this case worth not giving money to you and your family? And while the answer sometimes has been, yeah, I really want to get out there and help these people. Other times I've been told, okay, no, I need to do the right thing and keep my business going. So it's been kind of an interesting thing. And also, you know, some businesses, you want them coming back. Some of the cases I get, I'm hoping I don't see these people again, you know, whether it's keeping them out of trouble or if I do my job right, if I write a good contract, they're not going to come back when that contract fails or something like that. 
Right. Yeah. And that's a happy medium there because you want to do the good for the most amount of people, but you also need to make a living right. or you're going to be out of business and you can't help anyone. So. Exactly. Yeah. So a lot of the people that listen to this podcast, you know, they obviously want to get to know the business owners in Highland and in the general area. So we obviously want to share that information, but we also like to give information related to business owners because a lot of our listeners, in fact, are small business owners themselves. So as a business owner, not necessarily as an attorney at this point, but what is the biggest challenge you've had to face uh, with starting the business and getting everything going this first year or so? So one of my biggest challenges when I opened up was my business slowly took off. And within that first year, I had some really good months. And while some businesses have probably like seasonal ways of looking at it, I had kind of highs and lows. And one of my biggest issues right off the bat was I had a couple really great months. And then when I had my really slow months, I forgot to account for, hey, there's going to be lulls in business. At the end of the day, it was kind of difficult looking at my books and saying, hey, I might not make money this month. What do I do about the money I've already spent and playing catch up and things like that? So it was an interesting learning experience knowing that every month is not going to be the same. Because for a little while there, I had just consistent growth each month. But then I had about two to three months where really the new business coming in wasn't as great as the business from before then. So taking care of those lulls was an interesting learning experience. So that's a great point. Uh, I know some of the past guests on the show have already said, and it was it was a great thing to kind of keep in mind. As small business owners, we probably know this, but keeping it in mind is something different, that anytime you start a new business, it's going to take three times the work, three times the investment, three times the effort that you think it is. And it doesn't matter what you set that bar at, it's going to take three times longer. And that goes back to what you said about dealing with the highs and lows. You need to be prepared with that, have your finances sort of in order for the first few years so that you're not stressing out, you know, month to month. Right. Yeah. It was, uh, there was like a couple of weeks there where like I called myself just to make sure the phone was still working. I've had the benefit where my wife made enough money to where I'm not necessarily worried about feeding myself or my family. And I know not every business owner gets that benefit. Luckily, my wife has been the backbone of our family and been able to kind of cover those lows and I've been able to learn from it. But yeah, it's definitely been a great learning experience. Yeah, that's always been kind of my mindset personally when when going into any kind of business that I've done over the years is, you know, you try to look at what's that critical mass that I have to be at to just pay the bills, make sure the lights are going to be on, you know, move forward. And then anything above and beyond that is kind of bonus until you get things rolling. Right. Yeah. And and it, about last year sometime, it just all kind of clicked where now I feel comfortable where I'm at making money. Like some months are better than others, but uh, so far, like the worst point in this past year wasn't nearly as bad as that worst point two years ago. Right. Slow progress, steady progress. Yeah, that's ex- what we're looking for. Exactly. But yeah. So with regard to, you know, we talked about that. Obviously, that's a challenge that all new business owners face almost in any any industry, really. What has been the most rewarding part of owning your own business here in Highland? So one thing has kind of been this moral hazard that I get with my family. At the end of the day, if we get that emergency call, like I'm not freaking out that no one can watch my kid or no one can 
make it to something important where my family has. Cause as long as I get enough warning for lack of a better term, I'm able to kind of rearrange my schedule and make it to big family events. You know, when we first had our first child, uh, you know, there were a couple of scary moments where, Hey, who's going to be able to watch her for the day. And the way my business was set up, I kind of got a better work-life balance than my wife has. Who's working for a company and HSHS medical group has really been great to our family and given us things that we can't imagine. But at the same time, the flexibility that she gets is a lot different than the flexibility I get. And maintaining a healthy work-life balance has been one of the best benefits because while I get 60-hour work weeks, I'm able to kind of manage that 60-hour work week differently than it, when I was working for somebody a couple years ago. So, Marshall, I know you, just like many of the members of your family in, in the 20 years I've been here, are very involved in community events that are going on, supporting the community, the schools, pretty much every organization that comes knocking on your door. So what are some of the things that you're most proud of being involved in? From the get-go, one of the first ones was the Highland Chamber of Commerce. I actually rented an office space from them for a little while, and Nancy and the Chamber were very instrumental in like introducing me to some of these companies and businesses that I've have really made my business what it is today. And I was lucky enough to when one attorney stepped off the board of the Chamber of Commerce, they put me on the board to kind of fill that spot. And Chamber of Commerce was kind of a great one. Highland Home kind of stemmed from that, from some of the connections I did there. Uh, Same with the hospital being on that hospital board. And then the library board, same thing. I was at a business after hours and Angela said, hey, we needed a young business person on the board. Do you want to be on it? And I was happy to jump on. But yeah, my family kind of brought into me that if you help out the community and the community grows, it makes your business that much better. And that's always kind of been my philosophy is if you can help out in your community, a rising tide raises all ships. I've kind of always looked at that in a similar way that, you know, if you can help enough people get what they want, you're going to have everything you could want. Yeah. And about 14 years ago or so, uh, my family had suffered a tragedy when our house burnt down and the city of Highland and the community around were just so instrumental and in just making me feel good about a bad situation. You know, that we got a lot of donations. A lot of people literally gave their shirts off their back and, uh, you know, helped us with meals and just kind of, you know, while the financial help was greatly appreciated, just the emotional help was there. And I've always said, I want to make sure I give back to what I received just because we were in a low spot and the city of Highland got us in a high spot. Yeah, that's great to hear. Yeah. That's just like with Gina and I, with the uh, escape room, you know, that was really just something we always wanted to do, whether it was an escape room or what it was, we always wanted to do something for the people in Highland. We always looked at it and we've always said there needs to be something more for the families. I mean, we have bowling and we have other activities. The movie theater obviously is wonderful, but you know, we wanted more and we wanted to be able to offer that. And it's been great just to to see the response from the community and the look on people's faces when they go through and have a great time, you know, right here in our town, they don't have to go, you know, to Fairview Heights or Eversville or wherever. Right. Uh, yeah. I was very excited whenever I think it started as like a random Facebook post by, I think that was your wife yeah. saying, Hey, keep your eyes out. And, and well, I haven't been a customer yet. I think hopefully by the new year we're arranging something. So yeah, excited. great. We'd love to have you. So yeah. that's awesome. So just before Halloween, I know you were instrumental this year in getting a new 
event off the ground. It's kind of a, an old take or new take on an event that's been around for years was uh, treats on the streets. Correct. Yeah. You um, want to tell a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, when I first opened my business in 2016, the Highland Newsleader contacted me about what was called the Trick or Treat Trail, which before the Newsleader did the Trick or Treat Trail, I think there were some businesses doing it a little more informally and all that. And the Newsleader kind of made it a much bigger event. And then I heard some rumors and the Newsleaders uh, made some changes in the way they do things. I heard some rumors they were not going to have that event. And Trick or Treat Trail was one of my favorite events to do. Um, I do a little mugshot station. You know, it's just something that you can't beat, you know, up to 100 kids just going in and out of your business and all that fun stuff. Me, Judy and I are at Highland Printers, and then Janet Nicolaitis at Copy Stitch Embroidery. We're all talking how we'd like to see this event keep going and get bigger and things of that nature. Um, so we started kind of running it, and it just kind of got away from us. And luckily, Kurt Vonderhaar from Cheetah Mobile Device Repair joined in because we wanted a business that was off off the square to get that perspective in there. And it really just kind of gotten away from us. And I learned stuff about organizing events because Judy, Janet, and Kurt were very helpful. But at the same time, I was not great at delegating it and things of that nature. But yeah, we had in the end, we had about 86 businesses and organizations participate. And I would consider it a success. Next year, we're going to grow on it and try to improve on some things. Like I know certain businesses like Bailout had less people than other businesses. And I'd like to try to get as many people to all the businesses as possible so that businesses can get a ton of exposure. Uh, and next year, it's going to be a lot better planned. A lot more things will be planned ahead of time. And we're kind of looking for some cool things. Yeah, I think uh, absolutely. I mean, by no means was it was it a failure. We had plenty of kids that, that made it over there. The farther you get away from the square, it, there is that issue. And it's I remember taking my kids 10, 12 years ago, you know, there, there's just so many businesses that started to get involved. It was too hard to get to all of them. So I think that's, you know, next year we had talked about maybe just setting up a tent because I know there were a lot of businesses that set up tents right on the square and just did their thing there. And it made it a lot easier for the smaller kids, you know, to get to all of them. Yeah. Ne- yeah. And we had about 30 businesses come to the square, which I did not think we'd get anywhere close to that. Um, the previous year had about 40 businesses on the trick or treat trail. We had 86. We didn't charge to be on it. Um, so there was a big difference there. Like I said, next year, we kind of plan on keeping that same spirit. We're not exactly fundraising for anything. We're just keeping it. The businesses of Highland in general are here to provide a community event uh, just to kind of have fun and hand out candy and get your bit business's name out there. Cause every business did something different. It was just kind of cool seeing all these businesses do different things. Yeah. I think I saw, if I recall, uh Woodcrest small engine had some T-Rexes driving uh, <laughs> lawnmowers around the square. Yeah. Sean is a, me and him. I think his business has started a little bit before me. Uh, and that guy is just great at getting his business out there. I mean, it, He's always been someone you can reach out to and want to contribute to it. And that was the same with a good chunk of the businesses that came up to Square. I wish, you know, I could go out there and name them all. But if you go to the Treats on the Streets Facebook page, there's a big list out there. But, I mean, there were just so many businesses that wanted to do something cool. And there was businesses that, you know, myself, who would try to keep, you know, my finger on the pulse of Highland businesses that I would have never met. 
that they came up there. Um, me, my wife, and her family went out to eat afterwards. And, man, it was hard to get a table at any restaurant in town. And it was just such a neat event. So I know we're a year out at the time we're recording this, but if a business owner wants to get information or even somebody who just wants to bring their children up, uh, where do they go to actually get that information next year to either be involved or to come to the event? So if you go on Facebook to the Treats on the Streets Facebook page, I don't think it'll be super active in the off season, but there will be contact information. It gets sent right to my phone, so I'll be able to answer you semi-quickly. I'm hoping next year to have a good chunk of the planning started around April, May, and have everything really organized in September. So then that way, October is all about just organizing the event. We'll have a lot of opportunities out there for businesses to get their name out there. So I know one of the other causes that is near and dear to your heart is the Lewis Latzer Library here in Highland. Do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about that and what your role is there? Yeah. So when I first started to kind of get my name out there, Angela, the library director, contacted me about being on the library board, which library is, you know, nonprofit started, you know, back in 1920s-ish. It's ran by a local board, which is community members from the area, things of that nature. And they usually like to have a diverse amount of people there. So we got some retired teachers, business people, and then we actually have some descendants of Lewis Latzer himself on the board that provided an advisory role. One of the things I do is I advise the board if they have questions on things or kind of help run certain aspects of it. But Angela, I mean, does a great job running the day-to-day and running the big picture stuff. Sometimes she's just kind of looking for general advice because she just wants to get as much input as she can. One of the fun things that someone from the community can go do is we got a library dinner coming up here, which is pretty much their only fundraiser that they do. And it's a nice event, nice little dinner, some wine. And then there's usually a event of some sort, whether one year we had the magical dinner, one year we had uh, the St. Louis course come out there. Um, and it's just fun because the library, you can go there, rent books, rent DVDs, rent games. That you can even rent a telescope. Uh, one of the newest things they're doing with, through that Greg Holt House Memorial is they'll have an AED machine. So if you have like a large event, you can go there, rent the AED machine, have it at your event. So hopefully you don't need to use it. But if you do need to use it, there's an AED, AED machine available. Um, the library is kind of a great resource that we have here in town and a nice little hidden gym. So if, if people are interested in the dinner, where, where's that held and then where can they get more information? So we'll have more information either at the library or through the library's website or Facebook. Uh, it will be held at the library and then we actually go over to the con- congregational church next door and that's where the event is. And it's a nice little like Christmassy event. I can't remember when the tickets will go on sale. They'll be going on t- sale here shortly. But yeah, it's a great event. All right, Marshall. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. It's been great uh, talking with you. And for those people that need to get in touch with you for a community event or uh, as an attorney, go ahead and give that information again, how they can get in touch. So best way to reach me is through my office, which uh, phone number is 618-882-6390. Or you can email me at Marshall, M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L, at RinderLaw.com. Or you can contact me through my website, which is, if you type in Marshall Rinder Attorney, Google that will find you, but it's renderlaw.com and marshallrinder.com. All right. Thanks a lot. We appreciate you coming on the show. Have a great day. Thank you for having me.